Welcome to Calvary Chapel Irmo's weekly verse-by-verse teaching. Join us now as Pastor David leads us through Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. Teaching is about speaking light into darkness. This morning we're taking a break on our verse-by-verse study through the book of Romans. And we're looking at a Christmas passage. Before we get into it, how many of y'all get Christmas cards? How many of y'all by chance have this Christmas card or a card that says this verse on it? Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's one of the most popular verses we see on Christmas cards. And my sermon, my message this morning is going to center around this verse. But many times you see this verse and you see reefs and Christmas trees and manger scenes and lights And it's such an uplifting verse. But my hope this morning is, after we do this verse-by-verse study through Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 14, this verse is going to bring on a whole new meaning to you. Because we're going to study this verse in the context of Isaiah chapter 7. And my message is titled this morning, Speaking Hope into Darkness. We see that as a Christmas verse, and it is a Christmas verse. Because it was a prophecy 700 years announcing the birth of Christ. But this morning, when we get done, you're going to see it as God speaking light into darkness. God speaking, speaking hope. Because that's what Christmas is. Christmas is God taking on flesh and light penetrating the darkness of this world. This, the world we live in is in darkness. And it's not just our generation. It's been every generation since the fall of Adam and Eve. We've, we've always lived in this fallen state. And there's only one person who can lift us out of the darkness. We're in darkness. The person that can lift us out of darkness is the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, who we celebrate at Christmas. So turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7. We're going 700 years before Christ to Isaiah chapter 7, and we're looking at verses 1 through 14. This would be 2,700 years from in the past. It was a dark time in Judah. Judah was the southern part of what we know as Israel today. It was the southern kingdom, and it was a very dark time. And it was ruled by a king called, uh, his name was Ahaz. Ahaz was a very wicked king. He was very evil. But despite his wickedness, despite Judah's disobedience and their rebellion to God, God is faithful. And he sends a prophet. He sends a prophet by the name of Isaiah to speak these words, to speak to Ahaz. So the title of the message, what Isaiah spoke to Ahaz, is speaking hope. And darkness. That's what he did. So we're going to pray, and then we'll jump into Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. Lord, help us to see this Christmas verse in a new light. Help us to see it as you see it, speaking hope into darkness. Because, God, that's your specialty. That's what you do for us. That's what you did for all of us, is you, is you spoke hope into our darkness. And we give you thanks for that, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for your word. Amen. 
All right, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramallah, king Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. Now the first thing we have here is we have this wicked king of Judah. His name is Ahaz. I want to give you his stats and his profile. You can find his stats and his profile in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, but I'm just going to summarize them to you. They're 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 1 through 3. But here's his profile. Here's Ahaz's profile. It says, He did not do right in the sight of the Lord. Number one. Number two, he made images of Baal, and he placed them in the temple. Chapter 28, verse 2, says that he burned incense in the valley of Gehenna. And worst of all, this king of Judah that God is sending Isaiah to, he sacrificed his own children to the god of Moloch. He sacrificed them. If you go back and look at it, it says they were burned. He burned his children. Now, that, that's important, and that's kind of heavy this morning, but that gives us the context of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, to understand what this verse is saying and to who is saying it to. These were very evil people, and we need to understand that to understand Isaiah 7, 14. Verse 2, so we know who Ahaz is, evil king. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Serious forces are deployed to Ephraim. Now, in this ne- these next words, he's going to describe Ahaz and the people. He's going to describe their mental condition and where their heart is. Look at it. So his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. The people were scared. They were outside of God's will. They were disobedient. They were rebellious, and they were scared. To the north of Judah was Syria and Israel, two separate kingdoms. To the east was Assyria. And it was a big land battle. It was a big fight between, uh, of land. Who's going to conquer who? And Syria and Israel were wanting to come down and con- conquer Judah so they could take over the land, take over the people, and hopefully conquer Assyria. And they are scared. But what they fail to realize is Assyria is a lot more stronger. And they're coming, they are coming from the east, and they're wanting to take over not only Judah, but they're wanting to take over Israel and Syria. So the people's hearts are scared. They're living outside of God's will, and they're worried that their land is going to be overtaken. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Sheryazab, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to Fuller's Field. Stop right there. I just got to say this. This is what I love about God's word. It gives details. It gives geographical, historical details. This book is not a fairy tale. It is the word of God. It is the living, true, infallible, and errant word of God. And that's what I love about it. It gives minute details describing exactly what happened. It's great. But verse 4, Isaiah goes to King Ahaz there as Ahaz is inspecting the, the front side of his city. In verse 4, he says to him, 
Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. For these two stubs of smoking firebrands for the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Ramallah. Now, first off, look at this in verse 4. What does God call Judah's enemies? God is speaking to what we know as southern Israel, which is Judah, and, the, and, and Syria and Israel. What does he call them? Two stubs of smoking firebrands. I love the NLT. The NLT says two burned out embers. Judah, in the sight of the people, in the sight of Ahaz, they see a flaming fire. They see a fire that's going to come from the north and that's going to consume them. But what does God see from heaven? He sees embers. What looks big to us and that's going to take us down seems like a flaming fire. But to God, because he is our heavenly father and he is our shepherd and our king and our Lord, he sees them as just little embers that are burning out. Think about a campfire. How many of y'all ever had a pallet fire? Them jokers will put out some heat. You put some pallets together, you set them on fire, you got to get back. I mean, because it's just hot. And it's just, it's, it'll, it'll burn you. But what happens if you come back in the middle of the night? They're nice little embers. They're just little glows. Or when you go camping, a bonfire, and then you come back, you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and you get out there and you look at you see little embers. You see little embers. Psalms 27, 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We need to have an eternal perspective when it comes to the enemies of our soul and the things that war against us and the things that fight against us. We need to remember that those battles that we face, the enemies of our soul, they're just embers. They're just embers, and they will pass away. They will fade away. They will go out. They will pass away. They will fade away. And we need to have an eternal perspective on those and understand how big God is. And when we look at our difficulties, um, difficult situations we face, and even our enemies, even though we see them as a flaming fire, we need to remember God sees them as an ember. Because who is greater? Who's the sovereign Lord of the universe? God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's got everything under control. Let's look at verse 5. Because Syria and Ephraim, they're going to come south to conquer Judah. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the sons of Ramallah have plotted evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its walls for ourselves and, and set a king over them, the son of Tabal. Verse 7. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken so that it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramallah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Here in this text right here, God is warning Ahaz. God is warning Ahaz. He's saying, Ahaz... If you don't believe, not only are they going to fall, but you're going to fall also. 
God is beckoning Ahaz, despite his evilness, despite his wickedness, despite all the things he's done, he's saying, Ahaz, if you will just believe, if you will just turn from your wickedness, verse 9, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. He had a choice to make. And we know from Isaiah chapter 8, he rejects it. And he chooses a military alliance with Assyria. And that's his downfall. He did not put his trust in the Lord when the Lord offered it to him. He begins reasoning with him. Look at verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Moreover, the Lord again to Ahaz. God is saying, come on, dude. Let's get this thing together. I'm offering you grace. And now he's going to offer him a sign. Uh, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depths or in the heights above. He says, hey, ask for any sign you want. Ask anything. It's basically what the text is saying. He's saying, ask anything. I will do it. How about that? What if God said, can you says, ask anything you want, and I will do it. Ask for any sign, and I will do it. Ahaz doesn't ask him for a sign. He already knows in his heart what he's going to do. He's going to reject this kind of offer and choose to trust in his own way of doing things and in, in, in what we see in the text, his own military alliance. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever asked God for a sign? I do. I do. Now, when I'm asking and I'm seeking the Lord for guidance, the first place I go to is the Word of God. The first place I go to is the Word of God, and I find out what the Word of God says. But if it's something specific, like where do I go to work or what decision do I make, and I'm not sure, I'll be like, Lord, show me a sign. You are the sovereign creator of the universe. You own everything. And I'll ask him, Lord, show me. Reveal to me. Open doors, close doors. Show me a sign. I'm going to tell you, my favorite, my favorite thing when I, when I read this passage, the first person that came to my mind was John Nielsen. I, I love what John does. And John has shared it with us many, many times. He'll pray about things, and I hope it's okay that I shared this because I didn't ask him. John will be praying about specifics in life where, you know, it's not written in the Word, and he's praying. And he'll be like, Lord, if it's a yes, please show me one deer. If it's a no, please show me two deer. And he will come to me. He'll whip out his phone. He'll be like, look, look. He's taking a picture out of his back deck out into the woods. He'll ask God, show me. If the answer is yes, Lord, show me one deer. If the answer is no, you don't want me to do this, then show me two deer. But, hey, I'm all for it. God is sovereign. He owns them deer. He owns the universe. He owns everything. But, you know, I, th I think it's okay. I think it's okay for us to say, Lord, show me. Reveal to me. Come send somebody my way and speak to me. You know, I don't want to get this wrong, but show me a sign. But look at verse 12. But Ahaz said, this looks like humility, but it's not. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. This is Ahaz and his pride, and he refuses God's offer. And we know from the rest of the text that he chooses 
a military alliance with Assyria. He chooses to trust Assyria rather than trust the Lord. And because of his disobedience, not only is Assyria and Israel laid barren, but so is Judah because he didn't listen to the Lord. He didn't take him up on his offer. And you and I, we do the same thing when we face difficult circumstances and we don't turn to the Lord. Question for you, where do you go when times are bleak? Where where do you go when times are bleak? You have two options. When times get tough, life throws you a curveball, and you're not sure what to do, you have two choices, my friend. Number one, you can trust God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understandings, all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5. Let him, as what we're seeing here in this text, and in your life, let him fight your battle. Let him fight your battle. Let him go before you. That's option one. That's option one, is put your trust in the Lord and let him fight your battle. Or option two, you can be like Ahaz. I'm going to figure this out myself. I'm going to figure this out myself. I'm going to do it on my own. That's when we get in trouble. That's when we get in trouble, my friend. Some of us adults bear scars of our past because we took it in our own hands. We didn't look to the Lord. We didn't look to him. We took it in our own hands, and we bear those scars. We said, I can figure this out. I can do it on my own. Man, first thing you should do is take it to the Lord in prayer. Get on your knees and say, God, I need help. Look at the intricacies of the universe, of the planet, of the human body. God is a smart, amazing, all-wise, all-knowing, omnipotent, eternal, perfect God. This little five ounces of mush that we have inside of our skull is nothing compared to the infinite brain of God. And all we have to do to tap into that is pray and say, God, I need you. I need you to help me in this area. Let me search your word. Let me find an answer. Let me get out of concordance. Let me start researching your word. If you can't find it, Lord, please show me. Please give me a sign. Please guide my heart. But the bottom line, at the end of the day, when times get tough, choose to trust in the Lord. Choose to trust in God. It could, if you don't, it could cost you your life. It could cost you your family. It could cause damage that goes on for a long time. It caused Ahaz damage. We know from Isaiah chapter 8 and 9 that Judah will be laid barren and desolate. So where do you go when it's bleak? Go to the Lord. Go to God in prayer. Amen? All right, let's roll. Verse 13. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Question. Verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. God looks down at Ahaz 
He sees them sacrificing their children to the God of Moloch. He sees the, the, the t- idols in the temple. He sees them breaking his laws. He sees them living in a cloud of darkness. And what he does in this verse is he shoots down a, a voice of hope into the darkness. Verse 14, our Christmas verse that we look at. This is on some of your Christmas cards. This was written, next time you look at that postcard, remember, it was written to us through God's prophetic word, but in the context, it was written to Judah in their darkness as a voice of hope into the darkness. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, I did a lot of research this week and read a lot of stuff up on this verse, and scholars try to find an immediate fulfillment in this text. They try to find an immediate fulfillment of who this child is. Some scholars say it's Ahaz. Well, the problem with it being Ahaz is there's no scripture to support that. It's just not there. There's nothing. Uh, some people say it was Isaiah. In Isaiah um, chapter 8, verse 3, Isaiah has a, a second son. But the problem is Isaiah's son is not Emmanuel. His name is, if I can get this right, Mehar Shalal Hazbaz. I'm going to call him Baz. But his, his son was Boz. It was not Emmanuel. You can't find, there is a child born in chapter 8, but it's Isaiah's son, and it couldn't have come through a virgin because Isaiah already had one son that we saw back in the beginning of chapter 7. So there's no immediate fulfillment in it. I want to point something out to you, though. We know who it is because we have the whole council of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, says that this is a fulfillment of the Lord Jesus Christ. But just to go back to the researching who it was for, it was not written to just Ahaz or just Isaiah. Go back and look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. It says, Then he said, Here now, who? O house of David. Ahaz, his opportunity had already passed. He offered him a sign. Ahaz rejected it. So God backs up, and now he's speaking to the entire house of David. It was not just written to them. It was written to all of the house of David. It was written to all of Israel. It was written to you and I through the prophetic scripture. And the fulfillment, according to Matthew Chapter 1, verse 23, is Jesus, is the Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage, think about Isaiah 7, 14. Think about the situation. God is speaking hope into the darkness of Judah. He's speaking hope to the house of David. He is speaking hope also to Ahaz and Isaiah, but he's also speaking hope to you and me through the prophetic scriptures. He says, this is the hope that penetrates darkness. This verse is light piercing darkness. And let's look at it. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Jesus was physically born of Mary. She carried him in the womb. God came from heaven, 
wrapped himself in flesh and came in the womb. And she gave birth to him. And it says, and bear a son. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish to have eternal life. Jesus left the glory of heaven and came down and was wrapped in flesh. And the Son of God was manifested. And it shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. God was speaking hope into the darkness of Judah. God is speaking hope into our lives today through his word. God speaks hope into darkness through one, the incarnation, God taking on flesh, being born of a virgin, Jesus, the one that we're going to celebrate this coming up weekend. God speaks hope into darkness through us, through our witness. When you share the gospel with people, when you share Jesus with people, you are bringing the light of heaven You are bringing the hope of heaven into darkness when you witness to people. Do you realize that? Your voice can speak hope into the darkness of people's lives when you share Christ with them. It's an amazing thing. Before we throw the towel in on this fallen world, before we say, it's over, they've gone too far, they've done it, they've ruined it, We need to remember Judah. We need to remember Judah. And we need to remember that when times are dark, God speaks hope into darkness. That is his specialty, speaking hope into people's life. Me and Irene, we are are beginning a new venture of faith. I I guess that's the best way to describe it. And uh, trying to reach out to a a young man and a young lady and their children. And last Sunday, we went and met with them on Sunday afternoon. And let me tell you something. On the outside, this guy's a wreck. His life is a wreck in every imaginable way. Spiritually, physically, legally, morally. Uh, I mean, it's just like, is there any hope when you look at it in the natural realm? But I spoke to him, I spoke to him uh, Sunday afternoon, I spoke to him a couple, t- couple times again on the phone, and I said, dude, there is hope. Now you've got to buckle your chin strap up, and you've got to do the right thing, and man up. But there's hope for you, if you will do the right thing, if you will commit your life to Jesus, if you will go and find a place that can give you help in recovery, that's Jesus-centered. Don't be going to no places where it's not Jesus-centered. But God can speak hope. He can, he can speak hope into darkness. My question for you this morning as we close service is, who do you know that needs hope in their life? Who do you know that on the outside, their life is broken? Maybe they're like these people of Judah. Maybe they're so far gone that you, you just, you, you're in the natural realm, it looks like there's no hope. What can you do to speak hope into their life? You know what? It's, it's simple. Go to them in love 
and compassion and share with them scripture. Share with them Jesus, the light of the world. When we present the gospel, when we witness to people, what is this doing? In, in the physical realm, it's just me talking. But in the spiritual realm, you're bringing light. You're bringing light in the darkness. And I firmly believe that if this, if this young couple will, will take it by the horns and take it serious, we're being very firm with them and very straightforward and, and helping them, guide them in the right direction. But if they'll take it by the horn and they'll take this, this Jesus thing serious, if they'll take this relationship with him serious, that he will speak hope into their darkness and that they will be family together again. I don't care where you're at in life. I don't care how bad things are in your life or in your friend's life or in the people that you minister to. Remember, remember this. Next time you see someone and it, it looks like a bad situation, it, it looks like there's nothing that can be done, there's no hope, just forget about it. Remember Judah and remember what God said to them. He gave them a voice of hope in the darkness. Remember that. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for Christmas. Thank you, Lord. Um, we love this time of year. We celebrate your birth. We enjoy family. Father, we are uh, such a wonderful time of the year. But Lord, as we look, as we remember Christmas, we remember what Christmas is. And it's you speaking light into darkness. 2,700 years ago in southern Israel in the land that they called Judah, you spoke it then, you spoke it at your incarnation, and you speak it to us now through your prophetic word. Lord, give us hearts for people who don't have it all together. People that are like Judah. Give us the words to speak. Help us to speak hope into the darkness. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, I just ask you now, even now in this moment, to lay people's names on our hearts that we can reach out to. A phone call, an email, a text. Let us remember this Christmas season, what it's all about, and let us spread that hope. Just like Isaiah did. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening with us. We hope this message has been a blessing to you and will help you lead a more Christ-centered life this week. If you would like to fellowship with us, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., our address is 110 Hunters Village Drive in Irmo, South Carolina. Feel free to call us at 803-917-8792.
God of Jacob. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So I'm in awe of you. 
Again, for I believe. 